0: I'm Ed Gross, and you're listening to CloserWeekly.com's Classic TV and Film Podcast, where we celebrate the golden age of television and movies, then and now. In many ways, I Love Lucy remains the classic TV sitcom by which most others are measured, And it's been a lot of fun exploring different aspects of the show and its stars on previous episodes of this podcast and in articles at CloserWeekly.com. Well, this week we're talking about William Furley, best known as Fred Mertz on I Love Lucy, But that show is not actually the focus of the episode. Instead, it's on the 1960 to 1972 comedy hit My Three Sons, on which Bill played the grandfather, Bub, and co-starred with Fred McMurray for the show's first five seasons. And to look back at him, we've turned to actor Stanley Livingston, who played Chip Douglas for all 12 seasons of that show and enjoyed a close relationship with Bill. By all accounts, the characters Bill played on both I Love Lucy and My Three Sons were reflective of who he was as a person, both good and bad. And Stanley provides an affectionate look back at the man he refers to as the grandfather he never had. I'm doing a uh, profile of Bill Frawley, and uh, trying to get an impression of who this guy was. You know, we know him as Fred Mertz. We know him as Bub. Uh-huh. But I'm trying to get a sense, you know, because certainly there's the negative side of him with the cranky stuff and the drinking and all that stuff. But then there's the
1: positive stuff where people <laughs> felt
0: affection towards him. So I'd love to get your sense of who Bill
1: Frawley was from your experience. Uh, I just think he was an irascible character. You know, he just... Um... You know, I obviously, I didn't know him when he was younger, so I have no idea what he was like uh, by the time I met him. I guess he was already 70s, uh, early 70s, mid 70s. Uh, you know, I knew him from you know being a kid and watching TV and watching I Love Lucy. Never in my wildest dreams that I think I'd be working with him. But uh, yeah, we, we came together and I was hired on My Three Sons and then found out he was going to be the grandfather on the show, Bub. And, uh, yeah, I was uh, blown away. <laughs> I was like, oh wow. And yeah, I wasn't sure how he would be. I just knew I liked him. In fact, he was my favorite character on I Love Lucy. Uh, I just liked his weird grumpiness kind of, <laughs> that was funny. Uh, and he was pretty much the same way on My Three Sons. You know, that was really, uh, pretty much what you saw on the show, minus the Four letter words, obviously, that you <laughs> yeah. say on the air on film. But uh, yeah, I always tell people, well, Bill taught me every four letter or word I know. Uh, <laughs> you know, and he was a fun loving guy. You know, I think it was probably a surprise to him that we bonded too. You know, he, you know, looking back on it, reminded me a little bit of a W.C. Fields type of character. Uh, you know, who obviously didn't like pets dogs and children. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think much to his surprise, I guess I was, you know, when I was a kid, I was pretty charming. So we made an exception for me and we had a lot of scenes together and this affection grew out of it. And I never knew either of my grandfathers on either the maternal or paternal side. They were all had passed away, uh, at an early age. So by the time I came along, they were, they were gone. And, uh, I guess I was longing for a grandfather. (laughs) I picked Bill. (laughs) There you go. If you're going to pick a grandfather, why not? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, this guy was just, you know, a real character. And what, you know, cracked me up was the fact that he would go on these profanity-laced rants whenever anything would go wrong. And they basically couldn't control him, you know, which was kind of an interesting thing to see. And it was an interesting contrast to fred mcmurray who was always so composed and mild-mannered and uh you know completely the opposite but they had worked together and i you know obviously nothing went on to my three sons or no actors came on to my three sons at that level without fred mcmurray's approval so uh you know yeah he added the the color to the the show and off screen as well you know when we would shoot scenes i remember there was a scene in the kitchen one time where i was helping him i think would stuff a uh, a turkey uh and you know it hadn't been cooked it was a raw turkey and he kept goofing up his lines and <laughs> finally picked up a butcher knife and just started stabbing the turkey and i was, really thought that was like the funniest thing i had ever seen and he always had a a, lo- a line that would come out whenever he couldn't remember his lines which were of course the blame couldn't be his of course, not. It's like who who writes this shit? Right, check <laughs> it <would> <laughs> out, and uh, you know they'd get him calmed down, and that's how it went. You no, know, it's pretty much like that for the whole four years. I spent a lot of time with him. He had to go back into his dressing room, uh, and yeah, we played checkers, or he'd tell me stories, or sing songs. You know, we even had some extracurricular activity where he would. Uh, he loved sports, so we ended up at Dodger games together, and he would take me. Uh, he wasn't a driver. He had a driver uh, that would drive him to home and back or where whatever events he had to go to. So, so I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, with Bill, yeah, you know, he started to get older, and, uh, you know, it was obvious uh, his stamina was going, and uh, how they accommodated that was you know, originally he'd be standing up always ironing or at the stove or at the sink. And, you know, they started giving him scenes where he'd be sitting in the easy chair in the living room and he'd be darning socks or sitting down ironing. And, you know, they're trying to make it as easy for him as possible. And his memory was starting to go. So that meant they had to start simplifying his his dialogue again. I really couldn't remember much more than a, you know, a single line of dialogue. Right. Uh, meaning one line, not line one, line two, <laughs> three, line four. As you're, you know, saying it, they had to be very simple. Uh, and yeah, the problem began to be, uh, besides saying the dialogue, was if he didn't have dialogue, he had the opposite problem. He could be sitting on that easy chair and fall asleep in the background of a scene yeah. because he didn't have any lines to say. So it was kind of a, a funny situation. I, I, I remember I I had the job when he was sitting in the uh, easy chair of uh, staying off camera. And while he was talking to whoever, I was down there kind of massaging his foot or grabbing his big toe. Really? <laughs> they, they kept saying, no, no, let's stand do that. And he's like, oh, I don't understand why I have to have my toes squeezed while I'm talking. And he's just like, <laughs> blurt that out. You know, it's like, what does that have to do with acting? <laughs> <laughs> what is that going to he didn't get it, but every time I'd watch and I'd see him kind of shut his eyes and squeeze his toe and he'd pop away. Yeah. I, mean, I don't even think he knew it was me doing it, but yeah, that was one of my little, uh, assignments. My other, that, that's probably the favorite part of Bill's I ate lunch with him almost every single day. There was uh, we were at Desilu studios in those days, which is now part of Paramount. Uh, you know, they bought, bought the lot, tore down the wall that, uh, segmented, you know, Desilu from, uh, Paramount, so it's all one big lot. But uh there was a restaurant on Melrose Boulevard, literally almost in back of where the soundstage was, uh, called Nicodel's, which is an old, you know, it was like a Musso and Franks. It was kind of the other Musso and Franks, and you know, everybody working in Paramount, all the crew guys, the producers would end up there for dinner and drinks and all that. And uh we'd eat lunch there. You know, Bill usually had a liquid lunch, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. And he'd always buy me a drink and you know, it's here I am, I'm whatever, twelve years old. You he buy old. you an yeah. alcoholic drink, you mean? Oh yeah, an oh, alcoholic drink for sure, <laughs> you know, and, and my guardian was like, You can't drink that yeah, you know, but Bill was not you know, she'd kind of slide it out of the way and you know, I wasn't really that <laughs> interested in drinking. It, it tasted awful. I don't know what he drank, something called Pene Broncas. I think it was some kind of bitter or I think it was called, I don't know. I just have that name in my mind, but I could be wrong. But anyway, I'd be there and Bill would hold court there at lunchtime. And everybody in the restaurant, you know, would come over and start talking to him. And, you know, he knew everybody. So it was it was a lot of fun. And uh, But we had an hour for lunch. And usually about 10 minutes to one, I, we'd start heading back to the lot. We You know, we weren't that far away and could walk in about 10, 15 minutes. But uh, you know, eventually the producer came up to me and said, "Hey, look, I'm making this your job. You've got to get him up and out the door at like quarter one and walking back towards the stage." You know, it's, uh, anyway, that was became my other unofficial job was to kind of end the luncheon and and see to it that you know Bill paid his bill and I paid mine and we'd walk back to the studio together and uh, hopefully. Uh, he wasn't too inebriated <laughs> to do the afternoon stuff. So yeah, he, uh, you know, he's a great guy. Uh, you know, everybody always asks me too about that. You know, he and Visby and Vance, which he got me involved in pulling a prank on her a couple of times. Uh, and I didn't know what, I, what he was up to, but we had the editing, uh, offices across from where our stage 11 was, which is where we filmed My Three Sons when we were at Daddy Lou. And uh, they used to throw all these film tins away, the big containers that were out of aluminum that the film came in. And he said, you know what I want you to do? He said, you can go in there and get about 10 or 20 of those film containers out. And, you know, I was more than happy to, to get them. And then we found a box and put them in there. And I didn't know what bill was up to. He, says, he, goes, I'm, he goes, you're going to come with me. He goes, we're going to pull a prank. I was the dance. I'm like, okay. So we went into the next stage and they were always in rehearsal. You know, we, we rehearsed maybe a couple of times in shot, but because they were a live show, they'd rehearse all week and then shoot it on a, whatever it was, Thursday, Friday night. Uh, so we went in and we have this big box. He said, pick up the box, hang on to it. And I was like, okay. And then he waited till he heard the advance start to do some lines, and then we threw this box on the air, and all these film tins came crashing down, and some of them took off rolling and spinning and running into each other. It made it really made a a commotion, and I think Vivian must have known it was Bill, and we just heard this voice scream, "Bill!" <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think he yelled some exploded at her and uh, we ran for it so and everybody was yeah the crew was laughing uh, they may have known that was going to be coming for all i know but anyway it was just kind of fun to participate in bill's hijinks uh but like i said we bonded you know over the years so we really were close and i think testament to that relationship we had yeah here's a much older guy what am I? 12, 13 year old kid. By then, I knew him from the time I was 9, 10, 11, 12. And uh, in my private life, I got into surfing, you know, go to the beach afterwards or on, on the weekends and learn how to surf. And, you know, I this is the craziest thing. I, it was my birthday. Yeah. And I remember we went to Nicodel's and Bill had a birthday cake for me. And, you know, we, of course, everybody in the place, we knew all the waiters and waitresses and felt really special. And then we went. Back to the soundstage, and uh, you know, not that I was expecting anything from Bill, I really wasn't. But I went into up the stairs to where my dressing room was, and guess what was in my dressing room? That's a it. nine foot long Dewey Weber surfboard. Really? And it says "To Chip from Uncle Bub." Oh, yeah, that was yeah. nice. But I mean, you have to kind of think about the significance of it. If you're an old guy like that, you could have probably put $20 in an envelope. (laughs) That would have made in the early 1960s a hell of a birthday gift or a a $10 bill. I think my allowance was like a dollar or $1.50 or something. Uh, But I mean, it wasn't something that you could, you know, or even go into a toy store or whatever and buy a gift and bring it home. This is a nine-foot-long thing that had to be orchestrated to get it back from wherever he bought it uh back to the stage and then up into my dressing room so it, it kind of told me you know it's not that he was just paying lip service to what I was talking about but he was you know really into what I was into and yeah. listening to me and really put himself out to do something you know, that extraordinary, and like I said, a guy that age, it's just, you know, here's 20 bucks to get Happy birthday. Yeah, kind no. Of thing. Or knowing, yeah. knowing Bill, it would have probably been 20 bucks wrapped around a cigar. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, we would have smoked it <laughs> together in his uh, dressing room. But yeah, I mean, I was just completely blown away and crying. And, you know, it was just sort of a very emotional moment for me, the fact that, uh, you know, he, did something that large and that extraordinary, but yeah. you know what it meant was it wasn't just sort of like I was some kid on the set or some kid he knew he was actually into whatever I was into, and that's kind of what I was into at that moment in time, so I was blown out of the water anyway, that surfboard came home, and naturally, the production company saw the surfboard. I don't think they knew I was surfing and then a mandate came down shortly thereafter there will be no surfing during the production well, of course because in
0: case you get injured yeah
1: oh yeah yeah because a couple of guys there was a guy on the set uh, i think he was our assistant camera guy was also a surfer got all his front teeth knocked out and so i think they envisioned that for me so yeah i was boycotted from surfing till till later and then i probably surfed for a couple more years and that the surfboard ended up at the pool in our house. It was kind of a regular fixture floating around in there. And all my buddies uh, were, you know, they're really into that thing. I've got a picture of me on the surfboard in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> so Frustrated. Yeah. That I couldn't take it to the beach. I had a buddy that was 16 and he'd come pick me up and I was like 13. And, you know, we, we'd go surfing. Uh, so that was kind of strange. Yeah. There's, I yeah, I know. I have a picture of me on the pool in my swimsuit somewhere mid pool, standing on a surfboard, <laughs> surfboard kind of yeah, standing on the surfboard. Well, that was kind of you know my years with Bill. Uh, what happened to his demise on the show was, you know, every year we would have to do a, a physical to make sure we were fit to survive the production year and everybody would have to go to a doctor uh, you know, and look in your eyes, your ears, and make you cough left and right. And, right. And, um, you know, you'd pass. And uh, anyway, I heard scuttlebutt that he was not coming and he didn't pass his physical. Apparently, the studio doctor, I guess, couldn't be bribed, but, uh, you know, they just said that his heartbeat was so low they didn't think he would survive the season. Wow. Which normally wouldn't have been a problem for most shows because most shows shot in sequential order. In other words, at the beginning of the season, you would shoot in a particular episode to you shot it out, right. it would be completed. And then you would move into the next show. Um, how they brought Fred McMurray into the show was the idea that he would come in and shoot for a couple months, go away for about three months and come back at the end for two or three more months of work. So it meant that we were shooting in sometimes up to four or five different scripts a day. Wow. And they would get a bulk, maybe 12, 13 scripts kind of shot out over a period of time. But in any one day, we never shot in one particular uh, script to shoot it out. So what that meant was Bill would have been shot (laughs) about 12 scripts. And if he had passed away, they'd all be they'd be worthless. You'd have to start all over. And I think they, you know, for financial reasons, they, you know, chose to not go with Bill as opposed to accommodating him and shooting in order, which would have been impossible because of Ben McMurray's schedule. Right. And uh, they just basically said, you're not coming back. I think he may have been in one episode that year where they introduced Uncle Charlie's character. Right. Uh, which is William Demarest, And there was an interim character that a lot of people don't remember. Uh, he was another old Casey brother that showed up in a, you know, a duffel bag over his back, wearing a pea coat and a, really? some kind of you know, Popeye hat <laughs> or whatever the it <laughs> was that sailors wear. Uh, who, that was James Gregory. Wow. I don't know. He I, came I in. He was kind of. I know the salty character, and I think what happened was Bill wasn't completely available to come over to the show since his decision, you know, was weighed very late uh, in the the period before we started shooting, and uh, so he came on board for an episode or two, and then Bill came, and you know, he was there, and you know, it was really rough for me and for me for Bill, because. I was like, "Hey, you just took my friend's job away, and you know, where is he, and why isn't he coming back?" Yeah, it's just a teenager side not understand, you know, the brutality of the business sometimes, right? Just based on on economics, and uh, yeah, I think that was a fate of complete for Bill. You know, he you know, wasn't married. You know, I was sort of the kid or the grandkid he never had. You know, they just because of that kind of took everything away and he really had nothing to live for, for wow. And shortly thereafter passed away. And it was, you know, Bill Demers and I were, you know, we finally became pretty good friends too. But in the beginning, uh, you know, it was like, Hey, you just took my friend's job. I hate yeah. you kind of thing. And I couldn't, I couldn't warm up to him initially. And you know, I think he went out of his way to be extra nice, and I, you know, finally did. And Bill passed away, and, uh, you know, that, w- that was the end of it just from that standpoint. But it was kind of very sad in my my mind that, you know, I just thought they shouldn't have stuck with him to the end. Of course, that's kind of how I am. Right. <laughs> it's like there's things that I should have got out of a lot earlier, too, and didn't you know, but it, it's like my three cents. I think I had the option of not coming back the last year of the show. Uh, the people, I think was on like Virginian were interested in me and, and I thought, wow, this is great because I could be seen a different way. But in the end, it's like I felt like I was, you know, betraying uh, the show and the people there uh, to not come back. And if it would have been probably been a real problem because Don Grady didn't come back for the 12th year and they already knew that was, was happening so right. you know there would have been two of the three sons gone and i don't know i just felt like man i had i, <laughs> I better stay with it to the end yeah so just sort of always been that way man Yeah. very sad moment you know uh no more niggadels no more actually going to muso and Franks with him meeting for for lunch and you know my parents trusted him to you know drop me off with him and then bring me back. Uh, So that's, yeah, that's how it was.
0: And you didn't see him after he left the show? I mean, you didn't.
1: No, I didn't see him after that. He basically wasn't there. And I didn't even, you know, I think my, I don't know whether it was my parents' decision but I did not go to his funeral. Really? Uh, Yeah. I don't know whether my parents didn't want me to or thought it was too traumatic. Uh, You know, I heard about it afterwards from my ex-boss. Uh, a guy named John Stevens was billed as the production manager on the show, but that was because in those days they didn't really have the position of what they call a line producer. Right. And in John's case, he really was the producer of the show. He you know, made sure that ran the set, if there's any problems. He was the guy that had to resolve everything on and offset. And uh, I guess he went to the funeral and I, I heard that Fred McMurray was there with like a pallbearer. You know, the different people that came. So, yeah, I probably would have liked to come, but I, you know, it, I don't know what, what happened that I didn't get to go. I mean, if it was up to me and I had a car,
0: sure. <laughs> of course. Man,
1: you know, I probably would have gone to visit him, maybe even against my parents' wishes. But, uh, yeah, you know, it was a monumental loss. I guess it would be like losing your real grandfather. Sure. Like I said, two of whom I never knew. So Bill kind of had a special place in, in my heart because of that. And uh, yeah, you can not ask for a, <laughs> a wilder, crazier <laughs> guy than Bill Frally, Yeah. And, he just,
0: and you know what's so funny is it that, amazing. yeah, and that surfboard story you told me, I mean, from everything I've heard about him, that is so unlike him. Do you know what he means? I know.
1: To, to, yeah. That's what I've heard, you know, from people afterwards. Like he wouldn't even remember your birthday, but you know, to put yourself out like that I think really showed that underneath underneath that crusty exterior and the expletives, you know, there was there was a heart there even if it wasn't ticking very loudly. That's right. Quickly. Uh, you know, it was <laughs> Yeah, or quickly. quickly. Uh, You know, that uh, if he liked you, he liked you. Yeah. You know, would. And if he didn't, you were Vivian Vance. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Now you can stick Vivian on him, too. Exactly. Get her to come over. Well, I have a theory about that, too. I say, I don't think that feud was real. I think, you know, it was how actors pull pranks. And if you're on a movie set, that goes on no matter what you're shooting. I don't care if it's Superman or, you know probably a movie originally with, like, Laurence Olivier, and, you know, pranks are being pulled constantly, so... But see, he supposedly
0: did not like her. I mean, at all. I heard
1: that, but, you know, my my real feeling is, and as many times as I saw them kind of go at each other, there were always people around, and my theory is, I think, you know, they may have had words or whatever. And I heard she was upset that, you know, when they hired him, going, well, he's old enough to be my grandpa. Exactly. Exactly. Bill overheard that, was incensed, and I guess it was uh, his virility was impugned or something. (laughs) So um, I think they were doing that for the benefit of other people. That people had heard that story and they liked to see them doing it, and they were only too happy to, you know, put on a show, right. you know, calling each other or whatever. And uh, you know, although it may have started off where there was some bickering, it seemed to me later that it it was more for the benefit of bystanders and than, than other people. I don't know. You know, it's yeah. just, that's just my theory, having been around and seen it a bunch of times and it. You know, wasn't, I don't know, you can just detect when there's a real hostility there. Right. And it kind of was, and it was like, you know, two people we'll just kind of calling each other's names. And everybody else kind of covering their mouth and laughing, you know. Okay, maybe, they were watching know. it. Yeah. So, yeah, well, yeah. I'm, I'm just giving you my take on Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Could be wrong, but, you know. That's your that, observations that was, of it, seriously. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Well, the observations of a 13, 14-year-old <laughs> kid. That's right. <laughs> Who yeah. knows?
0: You know what's funny, though, is like the difference between I Love Lucy and My Three Sons is that on I Love Lucy, Bill was kept under very tight reins. In other words, his deal apparently in joining the show, Desi Arnaz told him, if you miss a cue, if you miss a rehearsal, if you miss the taping and the filming of the show, you the first time you get docked a week's pay, second time you're fired. And that was the deal going yeah. in. It sounds like a My Three yeah, Sons, they that. didn't quite do the same <laughs> same restrictions on him. That's
1: yeah, like. I, I think they just kind of relied on the fact that he, you know, wouldn't be as wild and crazy since he was older and, and you know, like I said, I think he came back to work after Nicodel's, you know, a guy like that's used to having a drink, so I don't think it was gonna affect him that much. Um but uh yeah, I, I never saw him, you know, completely inebriated, although you know, I don't know what it would take to get him to that point, you know, whether it would be one drink or 10 mm-hmm. drinks, uh, you know, my buddy, John, the guy that was the producer on the, star, on the show, we became pretty close when, probably from the time I was 25 years old, I was writing then. And, uh, you know, he was, he was really helping me out and he always was a mentor because he kind of knew I wanted to go into production early on and, you know, taught me everything about putting productions together and production boards, and scheduling and budgeting and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, he just had good stories. We liked each other's company. So we hung out quite a bit. And, um, he told me a story of, I think Bill was invited to, I don't know if this is a moose lodge or an elk lodge or a rotary club, but was invited to speak at one of those. And it was in a very conservative state like Iowa or, you know, Wisconsin or something like that. And, And, for whatever reason, uh, John accompanied him. Was kind of his chaperone, and John got there and talked to the people. Said, "You know, tonight when they have Bill there after the dinner, please, you know, have him come up immediately. You know, don't don't let any time go by uh, because he probably will have a drink right. too, and you want to get him up there before." And uh, so anyway, uh, they got there, and you know there was a cocktail party before which Bill partake. And, um, they had the dinner and then the people at the Moose Lodge went on and on with different speakers speaking. And finally, you know, about an hour later, uh, they introduced Bill, who at this point, I guess, was inebriated. <laughs> John was just like, oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. Anyway, Bill got up, got back of the podium and looked around the room and he said, well, geez, what to thank you all for coming uh, yeah, coming out tonight. And, uh, you know appreciate uh, your fan the people as fans and fans of my three sons and i love lucy and now you can all go f- yourself <laughs> <laughs> you walked off the podium. what was the reaction <laughs> of the crowd that they it was yeah yeah laugh, shock and laughter at the same time you wow. know that but, but you know you had the honor of being told to go f- yourself by bill Frawley. not cool a lot of people that? can say that right exactly Yes, not a lot of people can say that. That's uh, <laughs> very cool. But yeah, that that was total Bill. Yeah. Well,
0: it's nice to hear your fond memories of him, seriously.
1: Yeah, well, they're definitely fond. They always have been. And I guess yeah. now that I'm getting older, you know, in fact, I'm like, God, I'm older than Fred McMurray was. I was the youngest person on the show. Now I'm older than Fred McMurray was when the show went off the air. Right. As I tell my friends, I go, I'm bordering on being Bub or Uncle Carl <laughs> <laughs> in a couple of years. There you That's go. hard to believe. Yeah, the reality was I think when I turned sixty, this was a while ago. Is uh, you know you become a member of AARP. Yep. And, you know you get that stupid magazine. Uh huh. <laughs> and one one month, I think it was in November, I opened it up and I was like, "Holy shit, I'm in there!" <laughs> right. And like Chip turned sixty.
0: As always, we hope you enjoyed this trip back to the days of classic TV. Please subscribe to this podcast, tell your friends about us, and give us a five-star review. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.